1: I'm Danny Kelly and you're listening to the TalkSport Daily Podcast. Now, coming up on the pod today, we've got the fallout from game day as Liverpool go 25 points clear at the top of the Premier League. Now don't panic, City fans, they've still got the game in hand. Uh, there's more VAR controversy, I know. And we'll hear from Jose Mourinho on Spurs' magnificent injury-time win against Aston Villa. And we start, though, with myself and Simon Jordan on the final word, Talking City.
3: You can't be surprised because first and foremost, the UEFA was sort of cast asunder or put to one side by the attitude of Man City when this was levied against them by suggesting, Man City suggesting, almost, we don't don't recognise your jurisdiction, we're going to go past you from the outset before we've even got a judgement, we're going to go to the Court of Arbitration and Sport and say we don't recognise your authority. If ever you wanted to put the thumb in the eye of somebody that was the starting point or that was the blueprint to do it. Man City have got form in this area, And I know, you know, some people attribute Man City's fans sort of ambivalence at times towards the Champions League as some sort of victim's campaign or victimisation on their part. But they got done in 2012 and 2013 season because of breaches of financial fair play. And they were sanctioned. They got a fine that involved about 50 million quid and they got a capping of the squad... That they could uh, that they could have to participate in the Champions League, and then they got an element of that fine rescinded for good behaviour and meeting the very things that we're supposed to admit, and now they've got another set of investigations. That a lot of it comes out of the *Der Spiegel*, the German magazine, leaked mm-hmm. emails that attribute redirection and reclassification of income. So basically, rather than the owner putting in money, they've they've they have they have been accused of sponsorship money being artificially increased to meet the burden of obligation that makes financial fair play um, uh, circumnavigatable, i.e. they've not breached the financial fair play regulations. Now, it's not for you or I to pontificate as to whether UEFA are right or wrong. You know, UEFA... I've not seen the books, no. and, And neither have I. But UEFA have been very strong in their guidelines, very strong in their desire to implement it. I don't think it's xenophobia or any kind of attitude towards Man City, Um, I think it's about UEFA and FIFA and hopefully at some point the Premier League recognising their responsibilities as arbitrators of the game, administrators of the game more more pertinently, and realising that financial controls over football clubs, despite my belief as a capitalist that you should be able to spend what you want when you want... There are rules you sign up to, and if financial fair play is to be implemented and implemented properly, it will save the game, but it has to be imp- implemented properly.
1: This is a special one. Jose Mourinho after Tottenham's sensational last-minute win against Aston Villa. Then you'll hear from their boss, Dean Smith. Son, and he plays, he passes, keep into the bottom right-hand corner of the net. It's Hong Ming
2: Song with a wonderful goal.
1: A
0: couple of minutes before the goal, I told... Uh... Vertongen to be ready because we were going to score and I would bring him for the last couple of long balls. So yes, I, I believed, I always believed. But the reality is that the game was very difficult. We lost a lot of chances, but I think also Villa was fantastic the way their attitudes, the way they, they pressed us, the way they tried to win. I think they only tried to get the point in the last 10 minutes or so because for... The, the whole game, they tried to win the game. And that's why the game was so good. Uh, Also a very experienced referee, very, very good, very calm, always in control. Uh, Don't giving uh, silly yellow cards, uh, always in control. And the game had an incredible intensity. And I think everybody on the stadium followed a a fantastic match.
2: We're at the other end of the ground, the press box, but it looked a really good challenge as Bergwin ran through. It's a penalty. The referee points to the spot, he makes the square sign TV.
1: I believe that VAR has, you know, undone us today. You know, they'll probably say they've got 98% right, but for me, not on that one. And uh, disappointing, but good performance.
2: From where we sat, Everybody thought it was a decent tackle at first, you know, and there was no question, they didn't appeal either, did they?
1: No, nobody's appealed, and that's why it becomes farcical when we go to a a sterile environment. We can all look at it and say, yeah, he's clipped him first, but has it affected Bergwijn? He's got his shot away and we got the blocking, and the lad's not even appealed for it. Nobody in their bench has appealed for it, Um, you know, and that's where, for me, it stinks. Now we can head over to game day and here's the take of pundits Alvin Martin and Ray Parler singing the praise of Southampton's Danny Ings.
2: I've already got a very good chance of maybe getting in that England squad. Yeah, I think so. I know we've got to wait well, to uh, see what the reaction of uh, Rashford and, sort of stuff, and Kane, yeah. but you put him in front of Callum Wilson probably at the moment, wouldn't you? I would have no hesitation, no hesitation. He's got a, a great mix for me. His stats are f- fantastic in terms of finishing. I think his uh, his running ability, his deft touches around the edge of the box, he gets the balance right between flicking a ball and taking a risk around the final third for big rewards and and also making sure the ball sticks it at vital times.
1: And staying with game day, here's Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp with Sam Matterface as the Liverpool juggernaut continues to motor its way to a maiden Premier League title. 17 wins in a row, how gratifying was it to get through
4: that one? You know that it was pretty tricky today, um, I think a perfect football game was not possible tonight because of the, the wind, <laughs> so uh, that made life um, pretty difficult. But we could have played better the first half and we, we know we, our lines were too far apart from each other, um, positioning of the players was not good. When we, played up, when we played through the lines, we didn't follow the ball, we're not compact enough for counter press. So, um, it was not like we actually wanted to play. The good thing is that we can change things like this in half time. We did that and the boys adapted immediately. That helped massive. So we won so much more balls back and it was for them really difficult now to, to deal and to cope with us. Scored that goal after bringing Sadio on. Helps bring a fresh Sadio money, obviously. Um, Fabinho, of course, helped as well immediately because he. Um, it's just a natural position, Hendo was then free for, for more offensive situations, which he obviously in a game was desperate to, to do anyway, but uh, we struggled a little bit there with protection. Nabi, I think these three boys played together, of course, but not 500 times. So when Nabi is involved and Hendo goes, Ginny is not there, then we cannot play like this. So, 25 games now, we won now 25 games, which is just incredible, and you cannot... It's a bit of um, a shame that I have to say, but it cannot always be brilliant in these games because nobody's always brilliant. These boys were so often brilliant, but we win these games not because of the skills of the boys. That helps. It's a character. It's exceptional.
1: So after a fantastic win, England won the T20 series against South Africa. Here's how it sounded over on Talksport 2. Then you hear the thoughts of Gareth Batty and Alex Tudor.
2: A full toss, hammered away out towards deep mid and there's
4: no doubt about that one.
2: Owen Morgan points his back to the change room, to the dugout and he says, I'm not going to make a mess of this one, boys. Game over. What a game, what an innings from the skipper. Game done, start to tuk-tuk. Here's Andy Le slapped away behind Mo and Ali for four. And they embrace each other, the two England left-handers, Owen Morgan... And Moen
3: and Ali have won this game. This T20 series has been absolutely fantastic, you know, to win it 2-1 in the manner that they did, I think some questions were asked that Owen Morgan was asking, he wanted to his lads to be put under pressure and they have done and they've uh, they've come up with the right answer and I think it's a fitting tell that he's the guy winning the game in the last one as captain. He had been in good form, but he hadn't seen it home. In this one, he'd seen it home. So my hat's off to I Morgan. He's been absolutely fantastic.
1: You
2: run out of superlatives for some of these England players, and uh, Josh Butler in this form of the game. There ain't too many in the world that can uh, boast a record like his and the ability he has. And it's bizarre that we're talking about, you know, where should he bat? He can bat wherever he wants, because he's, he's probably our best player. And that's probably not being too kind, and a few other players that would be right up there.
1: After a massive 4-0 win over Newcastle, Arsenal's David Luiz spoke to our own Ian the Moose Abrahams. First of all, great win today. Great win. Thank you. Is that it? Thank you? I mean, do
0: you want to talk me through the win? No, uh, thank you. I think... Uh, <laughs> We're happy because we got the three points. I think we did many, many games in the last weeks and we deserve more, especially the results, and we didn't, but today I'm happy with the other team.
1: You had a winter break with PSG. This is the first time we've had any kind of winter break ever. I love it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, of course.
0: I think uh, we had the opportunity also to to switch off a bit and uh, to to recharge the battery and... uh, and time also to work together in a different way. And uh, I think it was it was great for us.
1: Alan Brazil here. You're listening to Talk Sport Daily. This is Russ Williams alongside mad dog Martin Allen and Ray Houghton on Sunday Exclusive talking about Chris Wilder and whether he deserves one of the Premier League's big clubs.
2: Who's going to be brave enough to go for go for Chris Wilder? Who's going to be, who who will take him? Who will take him? And when you're talking about winning things, not many of those managers at the clubs that they're currently at are going to win many trophies because it's going to be the top four, top five clubs that have spent all the money that are actually going to win the trophies. But what some of these other managers have done have been winning promotions. Chris Wilder to get two promotions with the money spent is quite an unbelievable story what he's done. Why would people, why would clubs, why would supporters, Was it because he's from Yorkshire and he's got that, you know, he's not su- super sexy suavo uh, South American <laughs> manager, Chris <laughs> Waldinio from Yorkshire. Oh, you're sounding like Sam you're saying, sound like Sam. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, is that what he says? Yeah. Well,
4: they would, wouldn't he?
2: Well, maybe. But Wilder has got the yeah. record. I don't think anyone would go for him. It. He's won lots of things. He's been him. a champion. It's difficult to do that with the money that he's spent. Why is he not getting spoken but, about but when I it comes think, to these jobs? I think what it happens, in my, Martin, in my opinion, is it, it's the level of player that you're working with and where you're going to go next. And that's when you've got to spend the big money when you're tested. Chris has done unbelievably well. I love, love listening to him. And he's
4: been endorsed. The last week or so, he's been very much endorsed by the he Can keep the dressing room at a big club then because. He's I don't know. A, I don't know as an individual. I don't know. Don't yeah, know but he's there, like. there's,
2: there's something else I wanted to add on to this. You talk about a club like Sheffield United and tactically how they're going to play in the Premier League. They'll come up, they'll be route one, get up to the big fellas, everybody get knockdowns, and everybody play from there. Well, it took a few weeks and, you know, the experts on TV saying, oh, my God, we've got overlapping centre-backs running down the wing, getting crosses in. What's all that about? We've never seen that sort of style of football in this country. And he's got a way of playing, which he did last year with overlapping centre-backs. Yeah, he did, exactly. And no one could saying. even play against it. And now when they go away from home, you'd think that three centre-halves in the old days, three centre-backs, you stay on the halfway line and let's keep it solid because we're going away to play at Arsenal. Well, after 10 minutes their right-sided centre-back he's running down the right wing taking on the fullback, getting a crossing from the byline and he was looking at that yeah. thinking if that had been a Portuguese coach they'd have been saying what an unbelievable new style of football that we've got but it's Chris Wilder from Sheffield United what's all that about? he's, been, he's done absolutely brilliant and would players buy into it I think his man-management is key to his style and the way he manages people is more important than managing big wage packets and big, big players' names.
1: Here's Max and Barry on the warm-up and yet another game of Ian Culverhouse.
2: Simon Stainrod.
3: Neil Cox. Steve Potts. Steve Chettle. Steve Vickers. Steve Antrobus. Steve Sutton, Alan Kernahan, Steve Slade, Mustafa Hadji, Yusuf Chippo, Chris Barrett Williams, Mike Hooper, Chris Kobomia, Chris Marsden, Scott Sellers,
2: Eggel Ostenstadt,
3: Goodney Bergson,
2: Stefano
3: Iranio. Roberto Rosario. I got that wrong, didn't <laughs> I? I? Ian Karphouse. Damn it! <laughs> you can't make Robert Rosario <laughs> Italian, or more Italian. You can't over-Italianise Robert Rosario, Barry. I know. What a mistake. Uh, well, yeah. Want I- to apologise to anyone? No. It was an honest mistake. It was an honest mistake. I got carried away. The thing is, you did, didn't you? I really got carried away. You fell into my Stefano (laughs) Arrano trap. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That blundered into it. And well played. All I can do is... No worries. You were too good for me. Thanks so much.
1: And of course, Heavyweight week is upon us. Talk sport is the only place you can hear live coverage of Wilder against Fury 2 this Saturday night into Sunday morning. And this was our very own Gareth A. Davis, live from Las Vegas, previewing the fight on The Final Word.
3: Tyson Fury is no Stavon, no Ortiz or Brazil. He can take a punch. He's taken his power. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who wins this fight? <laughs> Who wins this fight? If, if Tyson Fury's fit for purpose, which is no reason to believe he isn't, I know he's had a cut, and there's a lot of speculation about that. But given these two people, these two fighters' records and who they fought, and now they, now they fought one another, who wins this fight?
2: Well, for the, for the sake of Groundhog
3: Day, Tyson Fury wins if he outboxes Wilder. But if Wilder lands heavily later on in the fight, in my view, he may well knock Tyson Fury out. It's it's going to be a game of inches as Muhammad Ali always used to say about the heavyweight division, you know, about heavyweight boxing, that you, you I, I don't have an answer and that's why I'm so excited. It's why millions will be tuning in. That next is the reason why, Gareth. We really
1: don't know. That is the reason why the hair is standing on top of your head. And boy, that is plenty of hair to stand up on top of your head. <laughs> As always, uh, setting the scene with a mixture of erudition and knowledge. Thank you very, very much indeed, uh, Gareth A. Davis, live there from uh, Las Vegas. We build up to Talk Sports live coverage next Saturday night, Sunday morning of the fight uh, between um, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. All right, you, you're so clever, who's going to win? Fury? He knows who he thinks he's going to win, he just doesn't want to say it, and I'm not going to say it for him. And I'm, well, well, What about my argument then? That Wilder, every time he's put up to him, finds a way to button someone.
3: But, you know, the fact of the matter is, it, is that Fury's taken his power and got up. The other guys didn't get up. Ortiz collapsed under the weight of it. Brazil, Brazil, Brazil collapsed under yep. the weight of it. And Steverne collapsed under the weight of it. Tyson Fury took his power, so as much as they, they turn around and say that Wilder knows he can hurt Fury, Fury also knows he can take his power, and he does know, as a matter of fact, that he can box his head off. That's been proven. So I think if Fury's focused and on his game, Fury wins this
1: fight. I think that's absolutely true for every other division except heavyweight boxing where someone who can punch has always got a chance. I'm Paul and You're listening to TalkSport Daily. In the latest edition of the Glory Hunters podcast, the panel discussed the teams they have an irrational hatred of. And for team captain Dougie Anderson, it's three simple letters. I like to hold you in France. I have, I have a lot of time for several of its capitals around this month, but see that lot, Paris Saint Germain. I just can't take to them. PSG, (laughs) PSG, owned by Qatar Sports Investments. The romance of football, right there. Um, It's not just the fact that they have all the money in the world; it's the fact that there's precious little history or tradition to go with it. I can't take a club seriously that were formed in the 1970s and they're bowing down to Neymar's every whim. You know, they weren't even in existence when the famous Paris riots of 1968 happened. I could go on. Um, they don't affect my day-to-day life. They probably aren't even aware of the level of my dislike. What um, being irrational and all, um, but it won't stop me from saying this. I find them irksome. That's the Glory Hunters podcast with Charlie Baker, available now from all podcast providers. Here's Frank Lampard looking ahead to tonight's clash between Chelsea and Manchester United in the Premier League. The two games we played against them, the 4-0, I think is probably good for us. I don't like to reference back too far with the players, but I think the goals we conceded, firstly, are goals we shouldn't and don't want to concede. Secondly, are quite Manchester United goals, I think, and we have to be aware of the threat of, of James and Marciano. Russia's not there, but, you know, the threat of, of him behind and pace that they have, which caught us out a couple of times. The the game in the cup, I think we changed a lot of players and I thought we played pretty well. We're unlucky to lose the game. So those games are done and we just had this game in front of us. It is what it is. It's a, a chance to open up a further gap and against a rival and we have to try and take it. was the talk sport daily podcast with me danny kelly and magnificent it was too don't forget you can download this pod via Acast, spotify and apple pods there'll be another one at the same time tomorrow when andy goldstein is back from the snooker
0: that was a podcast from talk sport